Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Presentation Thinking, aka Pitching Ain't Easy, aka we are here with some amazing people, Molly Gagan, the content and community manager of PresentationThinking.com, and today, special guest, technical director at Ghost Ranch Communications, Mr. Steve Sheets, an efficiency-obsessed, very senior black belt presentation designer. We're so stoked to have you here today. Molly, what are we uh, what are we going to talk about? Hi. Yeah, hi Steve. This is a special treat to have you here today because we are going to talk about pitch problems that everybody encounters and maybe they've encountered and don't even realize it's something they can use help with or guidance. So this is what you know, presentation thinking is all about, going down the rabbit hole, you know, 99 pitch problems. So let's let's get into it. Yeah, Steve, you were just on an amazing conference called Present to Succeed. And Mikey, you're familiar with the uh, the organization that put this on. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about them? Yeah, they're um, 356 Labs, is it, Steve? I think... Um, it's 365 Labs. I would think so. I think they get like nine days off per year or something. It's reversed. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's 356. I remember being confused about that. I know the numbers in their name are, there's a six, a three, and a five Labs. And I think there's a presentation specialty shop design out of, I want to say Bulgaria. The head over there, uh, Mr. Boris, is this amazingly energetic presentation evangelist who is has created this amazing virtual conference, right, Steve? Like, how many people attended this whole thing? Uh, they had two or 3,000 tickets this year, I want to say. Down a little bit from the year before, but that's pretty understandable given, um, you know, things going on around Bulgaria and neighboring countries. And then also, you know, COVID was fresh last year. So a lot of people were having to change the way they present. Um, Since they were doing things a lot less in person, I think it was just a lot more front of mind for people. People's bottom lines were probably also getting hurt too. So everybody was trying to up their game. But yeah, huge, huge attendance from, uh, from around the world. So it was really cool to get to be a part of that. Steve became Mr. Worldwide of presentations. For real. There you go. Yeah. That's what happened a few weeks ago. And they had a couple different tracks, right? This was, I think, present to succeed. They had 40 speakers, I want to, like maybe 30. And and a, what were the different tracks that they were covering, Steve? So there was uh, design, storytelling, and uh, tools. Yeah. And you were asked to come in and present a particular solution to something that was actually a pretty universal problem within presentation space. Can you talk about what that was? Yeah. So they, they wanted me to talk specifically about a solution, which is uh, using the notes pages in PowerPoint in like a specific and intelligent way to create a document that could be primarily as a leave behind after you present. So that your audience can, you know, have something to kind of hold on to and remember you by and and refresh themselves. But really, the crux of all this, the problem that this solution is solving is uh, everybody gets asked, you know, are we going to get this presentation after the call? And it's an interesting problem in that it does a lot of good things. You know, it helps put your audience at ease. They know that they're going to have a copy of it. They don't have to like stress out about notes or like, oh, my God, what did what was that one thing? I can't forget that one thing. So it, it does a lot of good and helps everybody just relax and pay attention and uh, hopefully enjoy the presentation more. But then it also does this thing where 
everybody gets it in their head. Maybe not everybody, but a lot of people seem to get it in their head that they, they need to just cram everything into their slides so that it can work as this standalone document that can be sent ahead or left behind. And then, you know, in an ideal world, that's something that is really great to be read. You know, hopefully something like that would read more like an article, whereas something that you're presenting should hardly be read at all because if people are reading words on screen, they're not listening to you. And, you know, if you're busy talking, give them something nice to look at and hopefully there's not a whole lot else going on. So yeah, it, it, it's uh, trying to force people to create a deck that does two things. And usually tools are better if they just do one thing really well. I love that. Okay. So as the resident non-designer Canva designer of the pod, I want to just clarify. So this is something like after your deck, I know people always ask that. And I have asked that myself, like, are we going to get these slides? And then I get it and I might just scroll through them. And it's not, it's a big source to go through, especially with GRC presentations with so many awesome visuals. And maybe a lot of the meat is in the notes and the way it's presented. So this is more of like just a couple of pages, like a one pager or two pager with a like key slides and highlights of the data and the key points. Is that is that what I'm getting? It certainly can be done that way. By default, it would show every slide. And then um, you can control what information is shown with that slide for this specific tool. But we'll, we'll talk about some other solutions too, I'm sure. I mean, you know, ideally you're customizing things to have them work to the best of your ability or, or you know, to the best of what your needs are. If, if you can get help from uh, from somebody else, then... Yeah, that's super useful. I would love to be handed something like that at the end of a presentation. I will like double down that this is one of the most universal phrases that comes up. If you're at a conference, yeah, like you want the speaker deck. I've personally never really followed up and downloaded it and gotten much out of it because I was it's so out of context, especially Steve, like you said, if if a presenter truly made a presentation as a visual aid, which it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to like one plus one equals three, like what they're saying is supported and enhanced by a visual behind them on the screen. Not it doesn't distract you from it with the 50 bullets. So yeah, like if they nailed the presentation, then when you download it and are trying to flip back through, you're like, what the hell is all this stuff? Because it's so out of context without their talk track, right? Or like you said, they try to, oh, I'm going to get ahead of this because everyone's going to want this deck after I'm going to just jam all the, all the words on the slide. And then you have a less stellar, a more lackluster, less engaging visual up there on the screen. That's kind of meh, you know, it's just kind of the expected low bar kind of stuff. So that's, that's what you get. Like, that's why, I don't know, you know, what's out there is like, I guess a lot of speakers would upload their stuff to SlideShare. I don't know if they still do, but that was a very popular way to share decks afterward. And I was always left feeling like something was missing from it. But it's not just for speaker decks, right? It's sales meetings. A lot of times I think you'll come in there. You might have a great first call with someone on the grassroots level who's going to take your solution, your product and say, this is perfect. Like, can I get this deck? I need to go sell this internally to my team or my manager. And then you're like, ah, but I kind of need to be there to, to speak to it. It's totally different. You can't have presentation without representation. You know, they're like, if it's like a speed, you know, there's a, there's three things I, I think at, at the end of the day is like, MLK didn't have a visual aid. You know, that's called a speech. You're, you're up there. You're an orator. If you have Steve Jobs style, you've got a visual aid. You're giving a great speech as well. That's like the presentation. And then what well, the third thing, I guess, Steve, as you've like kind of indicated is like the thing that you send ahead or behind is have to be self-guided. It's a document. And so it should be maybe treated as such. But 
perhaps like now we can go into the different ways that we think you could somehow accommodate a little bit of both or put some leverage and repurposing of of a presentation to use if uh, if we want to just break into some maybe some reasons why one might actually work better for certain scenarios. Yeah, I was going to say, is there ever an instance where it does make sense to like leave behind the deck or something like that and have it just be a two for one? You know, if somebody's really early phase in what they're doing, then they probably don't have their speech totally dialed down. They don't have their document dialed down. They're just, they just have a thing and it's like their baby and they're figuring it out. And they've just started talking to people. At that point, I'll just be glad for them that they're getting started and they're doing something. So if they just have a deck that's doing both, like it's not ideal, but I get it. Like, good for you for doing something. That's awesome. Using a tool at all <laughs> and getting going is is better than uh, than not doing that. But you know, hopefully, we'll get that fixed ASAP and and start to have a document version and a deck version. There's also uh, a possible situation where maybe the slides are more of a send ahead like feeler, and then used as a conversation starter later, like. It just kind of is a document. You're like, here's this document, check it out. We can talk about it later. So if you're just trying to feel out maybe potential investors and just generate a little bit of interest, but you don't want to give a big presentation to them once you get them on the phone and just have you know some facts that they can be self-educated on and then you guys can loop back to any questions that they have later. It could work in that sense to have something that's a little bit more on the document end of things. And then... You might just have a presentation that doesn't need to look good as a presentation. It just needs to be a shared document that kind of like the last scenario I was talking about, it's basically just a, a shared document that's going to be talked about. You could think of this as like, like maybe if I was getting something from like a financial advisor, it's like, here's all the graphs. Like, cool. Yes. Put all the data on. We'll talk about the data. Doesn't need to be some like beautiful conceptual presentation. I just want like raw facts. And then that's also going to lead into like the uh, the board presentation sort of situation where they, they probably have a similar attitude. They're like, we just want to know what's going on at the company, put all the words on it. This is a document. We're all going to read it ahead of time. And then we're going to go through it together. So again, it's not really a presentation at that point. It's more of a shared document. So saying that it is a presentation that does both. It's I'm almost questioning like at that point, is it a presentation? But there are some scenarios where the thing that's on the screen is a lot more of a document than it is a presentation. And sometimes that is okay. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like pure ling linguistics. Like the last thing you mentioned where, okay, let's just send all this information and then it becomes a discussion aid, right? And sure, you could project it up on a screen. That doesn't make it a presentation necessarily. Technically, maybe because it's up there on the screen, it's presented. <laughs> and then I, I liked your point about, because I've actually spoken to a few. One uh, founder comes to mind who he talked to us because his his VCs wanted him to get his presentation dressed up and, and elevated. But he's like, frankly, I, I stink at using slides. He's like, he's definitely more of a conversational, very persuasive, really like really good speaker um, just on a phone. Like, you know, convincing you, Hey, here's my pitch. Uh, he really didn't need slides to some degree. So he was definitely in that second category where he needed something that would, he could attach and send and get, it was like a teaser, I guess. Like these, the deck was really an investor deck. Sometimes VCs insist upon it, you know, like, and they just, they fly through it. They just read the headlines and you know, that's what that was about. So I definitely see the, the idea of like the send ahead as something that 
that could be used, but then like also in that third category of the sort of like the board presentation where, Hey, let's, we can flip through this together as well. Um, and then they've had a little exposure to it ahead of time. The funny thing I'll, I'll point out, like we also had a scenario where there was this massive high stakes Q4 board presentation in 2020, right? Where it was like a lot of attention coming from these board members on this presentation at the end of the year. And so it was loaded with really important tables and data and information. And so in that case, they wanted the presentation to be verbatim what the send ahead was. So the presentation was the send ahead. It was, you know, don't mess with it because it was so content dense. But the CEO then was like, hey, he still made like this 10 slide more uh, visionary kind of presentation, summing it all up. And so that was probably the best case scenario, right? Is like, even though his team was saying, oh no, like we just need the one thing that works for both. The CEO knew like, if I need to convince this board on where we're going, I'm going to present the way that I need to present. That's awesome. Yeah. Good, good for him being like, yeah, we're, <laughs> I understand, I understand the tool that you need, but I also understand the tool that I need and uh, we're going to do both here. That's awesome. Molly, you wrote something dope in the, in the notes. Yeah. So this is just, I'm thinking about someone creating this presentation and then anticipating the question of, am I going to get this deck? What kind of thing are you going to leave behind with your audience? And that is something that, you know, founders and product marketers and sales folks think about, right? Is what are you going to leave behind that's going to be impactful? And I suppose it just depends on the audience and the context, of course. But I'm wondering in the same way that you would tailor a presentation, think about like what leave behind would be most powerful for your audience and, you know, stick with them. And yeah, like you said, if it's the, if it's the board people that want the verbatim thing, then that's, then that's what it is. But if it's people you're maybe trying to impress and get some money from, then I think a slick looking, well-designed page, like what do we want to call that <laughs> power page to leave behind is really cool. I was also thinking about the context of like the medium matters, you know, it matters of a presentation is impactful because you're listening to a speaker and the slides at the same time. And TED Talks are recordings of that. So you get to like experience it. But it's not the same when you just open up a PowerPoint file and you're scrolling through slides and looking at notes like that doesn't translate. So you're trying to translate in the same way, you know, books go from books to movies and vice versa. People always get mad of like what's left out, what's left out. But it's really a different medium. You know, you have to communicate things differently. I think that can be a, a place where, you know, the tool that they wanted me to talk about was, you know, designing the notes pages so that you could create this PDF where each page has an image of your slide and then whatever information you need to include to give that slide context and really help people understand it or remember it or get more information about it after the fact. You can include all that info as well, which is a pretty cool situation because it gives you a chance to help kind of bring people back through your presentation. They see all of your slides, but then they're also getting all this extras. They're remembering you and how you presented it, plus all the stuff that they need to get through it on their own, which I think that can be a really good tool if you're trying to create like brand ambassadors because hopefully it can just help carry some of your energy like to them. <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, like... Like I've got this visual aid. I know I know what I was feeling when um, when they were at this part in the presentation, and, and hopefully it can kind of continue to affect them and stay with them. So in an ideal world, um, that's how that would work, and uh, it could be a great way to to help people carry your message on. So that that can be a really good tool. You know, it's best used when uh, your content's really baked, and uh, there's probably not a lot of need to to shift it around all the time because it, it can be a little bit more cumbersome to edit. 
um, when you're doing that notes page version. And I also think that does work best as a leave behind, as a send ahead. Mm, I don't know. It's like giving them like a free free preview at what's going to come. You know, you might not be able to like hook them as well in, in the moment if they've already seen all your slides that might not be as fun as an audience. And, and again, you know, you want to, you want the context of you being there um, to be a part of the presentation and the document. Um, and if they haven't seen it yet, then yeah, seeing the slides would be really strange potentially. So Steve, like, so when you say the notes page for anyone who's like either new or a little bit novice to PowerPoint, are you saying like, there's a view in PowerPoint where you see your slide and then below that you have your, like your comments or your, your talk track, I should say. Um, you can type in your notes to yourself so that when you're presenting those, you know, those are the bullets that you see. Are you saying like there's a view where you click to this notes view and then you can trick out so that the talk track that was down there it can be formatted. And then you're saying like above that is the slide itself and below or to the left or right. Like however you design that view is the the live talk track that you had dynamically populated, right? Yeah, you could have it be the talk track. You could have it be you know, graphs, charts, tables, other text. You could even have the image not be the image of the slide. I mean, if you wanted other visuals there, it's uh, the notes page is tied directly to that particular slide, but you can customize it to really be anything that you want it to be. So it's, it's kind of neat. Basically, all you do in your presentation, you hit print. And instead of printing slides, you say print notes pages and tell it to print to a PDF instead of a printer. And it will spit out there are bugs you got to watch out for. I'll do a tutorial or something, or you can uh, check it out on present to succeed. But yeah, basically you just tell it to print to PDF and it creates this document for you um, that, yeah, my argument is that it's a stellar leave behind um, and not that hard to work with. And uh, yeah, it can be really effective for you. Let's talk about efficiency of like, let's say someone wanted to, to create a nicely reformatted version of this notes page view. And maybe they're just going to use the slide as the visual and then the, like the notes, like what percentage extra time, like, do you think it might take someone to create a, a stylized notes view of this, of a presentation? Maybe 10, 15 minutes to get kind of one set to figure out what you want everything to look like. And then, um, you know, using some good tips and tricks, you can bang through the rest of the slides extremely quickly, maybe like a minute, a slide just to make sure everything looks right. But a lot of it is pretty automated as long as your content is all figured out. You know, one would hope that's the hard part. I can agree and understand that writing is difficult and getting your ideas across in a very clear way that drives your message is extremely important. So hopefully people take time to write and then uh, hopefully making it look good can be easy. Yeah, that's a great point. And then I think we were talking about this the other day is like, do you remember when mobile phones came out and then companies would create their own mobile website. Like the, it was like M dot, you know, Verizon.com or whatever. And then the poor like design or the web teams would have to maintain two different content repositories. Like, and anytime they had to make a, a change to the website, they'd have to change it in two places. Right. And then responsive websites came along so that it was more, it was leveraging that one content repository. Is this kind of like that where it's like, you're writing all this, all the great stuff, hopefully once, unless you're going to, like you said, trick it out and have different content on the notes view. But theoretically, you could write it once and then create this notes view without having to rewrite. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is, um, 
because there's so much that's automated and tied together. Yeah. It might be a little bit harder to set up, but hopefully easier to maintain because yeah, everything is coming from one place. And two, if you know your talk track, you can put whatever you want in the notes section. So it, it doesn't really matter what it says down there if you don't use it. So, you know, if, if it's a pitch that you're used to, go nuts down there and just make it say whatever you need and let it let it do all the automatic behavior. And you know what you're going to say anyway. So I'm envisioning this could be really useful. Like if someone had a great essay or like a written piece that they were actually trying to convert into a presentation. And so plugging in those key points within the notes and kind of working from there, because then like if you were to export that, that essentially be some kind of like written document in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would hope that uh, if somebody's trying to create a great presentation, that they would start by pasting their talk track into the talk track and not into the slide, <laughs> you know, like get the talk track in and then pick out some visuals that help make it understandable and just support it in a meaningful way. Absolutely. Don't put the card before the horse. Yeah. Like I write how I talk and then I edit that so that it sounds smart. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, I just pick out some nuggets and, and give it some visual aid to, to what those most important key points are. And that usually helps me figure out where I need to like, okay, I need a new slide here because this actually is a new idea. I think you talk smart. <laughs> what if I had like a super animated presentation? Is this where we start to think of, of another delivery mechanism? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely could be, especially if you kind of don't see it coming. I know we tend to think about what I'll call the still state of a slide is where it's like, you know, if somebody was to print this presentation, what is each one of those printed pages going to look like? And we're pretty good at breaking it up so that each printed page is like a still point in the presentation where even with nothing moving or animated, it makes sense. And, and we have everything move in between those points. But yeah, if you've got things flying around all over the place and, and the still state is like a pile of layered up stuff that looks messy. Yeah, your uh, your notes page hack isn't really going to work well for you because those still states, your slides aren't working very well for you. Um, so I would absolutely use that as a reason to consider another approach. Damn, I love my spin corny animations. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I love the spin or the fract the fracture. It's pretty powerful. A really slow cross dissolve where it just fades into the next slide and the other one comes forward. <laughs> as long as it's grainy, you know. There's like mm -hmm. a really nice yeah. pixelated one that just Ooh. puts a ton of squares everywhere. Love yeah. that. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess to not bury the lead any further. Um, so the, you know, the other method, and this is probably the most common, um, it's got the lowest bar for entry and, and we see it a lot. We encourage it a lot. We do it a lot. Basically you probably have, uh, at some starting point in your, in your process, some early phase stuff, you probably have a version of your presentation that reads like a document because that's just that's how a lot of people get started and that's great because it makes a great send ahead leave behind whatever or at least a good starting point to create one of those keep that version it's awesome it serves a purpose as that send ahead or leave behind i would suggest you keep it in the appendix of your actual presentation and you can always you know just save the appendix as a pdf you know, it's very easy to delete pages out of a PDF or when you're choosing to create that PDF, you can tell it which slides you want to include 
And you can just maintain that, edit them, rearrange them, change them for specific clients. It's familiar to everybody. So there's not really a whole lot of bar for entry because you're just working with slides. There's nothing you know, below the surface. There's no alternate views that you have to go into. What you see is what you get. So yeah, I'd absolutely encourage people to maintain an appendix as the send ahead, leave behind library of slides to pull from. That's such a good tip. I wouldn't have thought of that, especially just hoping that it all just gets piled up. Content strategy, right? It's, I think earlier you said something about the medium is the message, Molly. And like, if you're going to attach something, yeah, maybe it's a one page overview, executive summary, and you can really pen something to hit those high points that you really want to make sure they come through. Molly, we were talking about like the, the reverse pyramid of journalism, right? Where it's like the lead, you know, like what's the most important thing? Maybe that's all you need to have on your one or two or three page like executive summary attachment. And you don't have to give it all up in that initial email or the, I don't know. The other one too is maybe like is recording yourself giving the presentation if you really want to make sure it's delivered the way that you intended. That's kind of a cop out. You know, people like to have something that they can flip through, but could always pull that card, I guess. Well, I'm also thinking just in using the content, whatever you're making for the future, if you want to tease it and then have people in, either engage with you or even buy in, having that as some kind of uh, useful resource to use as promotion and marketing. Yeah. Steve, question, this is a super tactical question, but like, do you think documents, quote unquote document, like the medium, the message, does something appear more, ah, that's a document when it's portrait mode, like it's vertical in nature versus, hey, that looks like another slide. It's landscape. It's 16 by nine. You know what I mean? Like, does it matter if it's if it's tall or wide? Hot dog or hamburger? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think there is something subliminal. You know, if, if you were to get a vertical document where it's, you know, in that portrait orientation, people are immediately going to be like, oh, this is a thing to read. But I bet I bet that that fades over time because you know our screens are oriented in landscape and nobody prints anything so if you're sending a document that is portrait yeah it can look great i've got absolutely zero problems with doing that but you can make better use of your screen real estate by sending documents that are landscape and you know hopefully you got a really nice cover page once people get past the cover page and start seeing a bunch of small print then uh, i think they will immediately know it's a document because they're going to be leaning in and, and reading and it's going to be informative. And yeah, like, like I was saying earlier, hopefully it feels more like a, uh, an article and they're engaged and they're reading it. And you know, who would do that with a presentation? That's cool. I love that. I'm reminded of just those. Yeah. You were using the words executive summary as well, Mikey. And especially when I was in more of the academic world, when there's a huge report being released a lot of times you'll have to pay to access the big one or like that's saved for the big presentation and they'll send around just this one page PDF that's usually illustrated with key data and the key takeaways. And that's what I'm reminded of here, even in like big essays and research projects. That's kind of cool because that's the reverse of, well, it's similar. Like we worked with one consultancy who their deliverable is the report that they write and they, they also live a lot in presentation slideware. And so after a big research engagement, the analysts or the strategists would write a ton and then you know, they'd load up this big presentation, which was the deliverable. And then they would present that to, you know, as their like sort of culmination, here's our findings kind of thing. And the, the founder of that 
group just said like, these presentations are so painful because, you know, the, the strategist is just talking through 90 slides of like dense, you know, slides. And so they had us stand that up as a, as, as a document. And they, now the strategists were writing that document to be a document. And then we created this like presentable presentation framework thing that was highly visual. And we actually created these like placeholder images that were like eight, eight, five by 11 orientation so that they could then just take a screenshot of the page that, or the section that they were referencing from the report and slap it into the 16 by nine presentation and then just reference it instead of going, you know, through those 90 pages of reports. So it was kind of cool. And, and I honestly don't know how we even kept up to see if they, it was maintainable or not, because we did, we went in saying like, yeah, you're going to have to maintain like two different things, but the presentation was a lot smaller then and, and had like nice bumpers, highly visual. It was cool in theory. We should follow up to see how it, how it's working out. Well, I think this is all really useful and cut. This is, you know, I feel like the walk-up song for this episode should be like, let's get technical because this is super specific. You like this tactile stuff that everybody gets asked if you're anywhere around the presentation world. So just kind of from this, I'm getting that there's like a couple different ways. There's more ways than I even imagine to leave behind information and kind of answer and prep for that imminent, will this presentation be shared afterwards kind of thing, or will it be circulated? And you can prep for that, knowing your context and the audience and what's expected of you. And also just wanting to make more of an impact. Maybe it's more than just the deck verbatim leave behind. There's the exporting notes and leaving behind a cool illustrated document or something that's more formatted. And I wouldn't have thought of any of that. What would you say, Steve, though, to someone kind of just cringing at this idea of like creating more work than it's worth? Like this is where the efficiency of like PowerPoint is powerful in this. And what's the most, was this kind of a groundbreaking thing once you got used to the using these kind of tools because it's more impactful and it's worth it, you know? And how, yeah, how would you respond to someone getting nervous about like, that's just like way more work than I'm ready for? Um, I, I think it's, I think it's worth it. And in the end, uh, actually a time saver. I find myself struggling really hard when, when people kind of demand these really dense slides because they, they just want that one thing that's going to do both. You can make a great document. You can make a great presentation. You can't make a great thing that does both. You can try really, really hard and it can take forever. And it usually does because at some point you've got to try to find a balance between basically how big can I make content so people can read it, but also I've got to get everything to fit and I want stuff to be consistent and I want to make sure you know, we're getting all these points in and it's just, it's so much to juggle. And then, you know, you might find yourself struggling to figure out like, oh, this is too much. I do have to break this slide up. Where am I going to break it up? Figure out a place to do it, break it up, make another slide. Um, And just trying to keep consistency across all that with like font sizes and things makes it even harder. And uh, it seems like less work because it's one thing, but I really think it is more and the work is a lot harder for sure because you're struggling to do something that at the end of the day, I think is impossible because have the right tool for the job. And if you're trying to do both, then it's probably just not going to be as good. Some gold from Steve Sheets right there. Boom! Yeah, that was a good little nugget. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, Molly, you want to open up the spice cabinet? Yeah, let's do it for sure. On that note, that was perfect, Steve. Thanks for wrapping that up for us. I'm curious to know, like Steve, as we've said, is our efficiency obsessed. 
um, technical director at Ghost Ranch. And if you haven't been to our website, our super cool new redesigned website, he's got some awesome tutorials on really specific PowerPoint things, technical pieces that can really help you if you're anywhere in this world. And I'm wondering, Steve, like, do you have any favorite efficiency people you've seen on the web or people that have done stuff like this, or you didn't see this. And so you saw a gap and decided to close it because you're nailing it. I mean, you were invited to speak at a conference for it. So did you have any inspo? Definitely. Um, Taylor Kroonquist with their uh, nuts and bolts speed training course is just unreal. Highly recommend that to anybody. It's a little bit better if you're a PC user, but he does, you know, cover if you're a Mac user as well. But yeah, he is a machine and he talks a lot faster than I do, man. He can cover a lot real quick. It is it is absolutely wild. Uh, we got to see him present live and then yeah, I took his course and then seen a bunch of the videos. Um, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say him all day. Yeah. You can't take enough notes and keep up. Like he, he drops so many value bombs, like just constant in one session. It's so yeah. good. And yeah. We, yeah. You, you don't need the deck when he's done. You need a recording. It's a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. We're linking him lived, for like, sure. Somewhere really cool at, at the time. I don't, I don't know where they, they still are. Oh gosh. Was it um, are they in Bali or something? Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Not a bad place to be a no. guru. Proud of that guy. He's doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> Steve, you just gave a dynamite presentation. Do you want to talk a little bit about, about your workflow for this one going in? Um, was there any different preparation you did knowing it was going to be a virtual presentation as opposed to like having to show, show up somewhere and take a stage live? Um, Virtual versus live, you know, I can actually control the environment here. So uh, that was that was probably my biggest consideration was just like, you know, how can I make sure there's like not crazy sounds happening outside or, um, you know, what can I do to help control the audio quality within the room, the lighting, all that stuff, the level that the camera is at, eye level or slightly above is uh, is recommended. So, yeah, I think I think. There's a lot to be considered, but probably not a whole lot more beyond what you might consider for just, you know, if you're on Zoom a lot and you want to look good and sound good there, then um, probably not too much more than normal. I think the hardest part when it's a virtual audience, you're not getting real-time feedback, like most likely. (laughs) So that's really hard to draw feedback from. But I did have, they had Eva that was kind of my uh, partner in crime while all this was going on, I did have video of her up and I could kind of see the way she was reacting to everything. So she was kind of my thermometer just to see how things was going. I could just keep an eye on her. And she had a lot more access to like the crowd feedback and their comments and everything than what I did. There was a delay also to make it like extra crazy, but you know, I had her live and then I think whatever I was saying or showing about 20, 30 seconds later, the audience was getting to see. So she was there. She was my parachute. And yeah, it, it worked out really well, actually. I was I was terrified at the idea of um, basically just presenting to like a blank box, you know? Um, so yeah, thank goodness Eva was there. It made it 10,000 times better. And uh, I'll say doable because I have had to present to a blank box before where it's just like, I can't see or hear anybody. That was the worst thing ever. I'd rather talk to like 4,000 people to their faces than 10 people that I just have no idea what they're doing. Ooh, that's a good would you rather. 
<laughs> let's let's keep you that in mind. You need a parachute thermometer. <laughs> I love it. And coming from you know the audience side, we I logged in to like listen to you, Steve, and kind of the opposite feeling where like you're talking to us, and then there's a live chat with comments kind of going up. And I do want to say there was some funny stuff. You know, everybody had good humor. Steve Sheets is your name. And folks were saying, you know, Steve has a suspiciously uh, on point name for to discuss this topic, talking about slides and stuff. So that was really fun to see. And people were engaged and just uh, enjoying your tips and stuff. And people called you the PowerPoint wizard. So it was really cool to see. Love that. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I, uh, I know this is an internal debate, but uh, you hinted at it just earlier. Uh, What's your take on the PC versus Mac? What we you're a PC guy, and I think a lot of designers everywhere might have um have something to say about that. So let's let's hear it. Hot take from Steve Sheets. Oh man, putting you use, on the spot. Use what you need to, I guess. But if, if you uh <laughs> if you can use a PC and you're working in PowerPoint a lot, I made the comparison the other day that trying to use PowerPoint on a Mac uh, compared to a PC was like trying to use Google slides instead of PowerPoint <laughs> just because like the hotkeys were a lot more limited. The quick access toolbar is a lot more limited. Uh, the plugins are a lot more limited. Roasted. You put plugins in the quick access toolbar. Nah, no yeah. way, man. I will, I will take a PC over a Mac all day long for working in PowerPoint. Honestly, I'm sure you're not alone. I know, especially in the coding world, folks love droids and PCs more because there's more customization. So I think it just depends. You're that technical brain piece is, you know, part of your MO. And that's, that makes sense. I'd just rather finish things than click the mouse a thousand (laughs) times to accomplish one task. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right, Steve, before we go, what, I already know you're, your staple walkout song. So you can go with that. But if you wanted to shake it up for this one, what uh, what would you stroll out to? Um, I mean, you know, anything ACDC would work just fine, I think. But uh, we can try this. We can see if it works. Um, if I do go with with um, the classic What's Golden, should I try to beatbox it? Yeah. You see oh, yeah, for sure. All right, one second. We're available. And uh, you guys can just watch my mouth. It'll be really weird. <laughs> Ballin. Yes, I can't wait for I can't wait for Will to add that in the actual track, you know, and it'll sound exactly the same. Yeah. You no one will be able to tell the difference. That's awesome. <laughs> and that mouth Perfect. box on, on a GIF loop is going to be dope. <laughs> you do have a good microphone. Steve is not on a microphone, people, and his computer is picking that up perfectly. Yeah. It's a PC. <laughs> <laughs> well, this God is Presentation it. Thinking brought to you by PCs. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Our sponsor. Yeah. All of a sudden. Gosh. Yo, uh, Steve, uh, if people are curious to, to reach out to you, and pick your brain about uh, anything they just heard. Is that cool? Where could they get yeah, hold of absolutely. you? Absolutely. Um, always happy to hear from people on LinkedIn. It's just an easy way to message. So love that. And then, uh, yeah, always find the whole team at ghostranch.com. We're always happy to help people out and provide the uh, the art for storytelling. So hit us up. Thanks for being here, man. I'm sure you're going to be back soon. Friend of the show. 
Steve Sheets, this was a blast having you. Molly, any anything else before we so close out gems. for the week? No, Steve, thanks for teaching me so much today because I, I love hearing the in the weeds technical stuff. And yeah, super excited to go down the rabbit hole with you. All right. Pitch Partners, we'll, we'll talk to you again. Thanks for tuning right. in. See you. Bye, everyone.